The times have found each and every one of us in this room and in our country to pay attention to how we protect and defend the Constitution of the United States. Honoring the vision of our founders who declared independence from a monarch and established a country contrary to that principle. Honoring the men and women in uniform who fight for our flag and for our freedom and for our democracy. And honoring the aspirations of our children so that no president, whoever he or she may be in the future, could decide that Article 2 says they can do whatever they want. Again, let us honor our oath of office. Let us defend our democracy. Let us have a good vote today and have clarity, clarity as to how we proceed, why we proceed, and again, doing so in a way that honors the Constitution. We must honor the Constitution and how we do this. We must respect the institution we serve. And we must heed the further words of our founders, e pluribusunum from any one. They didn't know how many be or how different we would be, but they knew that we needed to always be unifying. So hopefully as we go forward with this, with a clarity of purpose, a clarity of procedure, a clarity of fact, a clarity of truth. It's about the truth. It's about the Constitution. We will do so in a way that brings people together, that is healing rather than dividing. And that is how we will honor our oath of office. Hello and welcome to Kevin's Podcast Show. I'm your host, Kevin Marshall. Today we talk impeachment because, well, that's what the hell everybody else is talking about. We take a pretty deep dive into it today. I'm not necessarily saying we're going to use news versus news because I want to get a little bit of clarity. A little clarity, as Nancy Pelosi said. We're going to talk about what she said on the floor of the House of Representatives, and we're going to talk about, well, we're going to talk about this whole conversation with the Ukrainian president, Joe Biden, and his son, Hunter. Stand by. Okay, so Nancy, I've been drinking a few cocktails, Pelosi. Used the word clarity six times during that minute and 51 second speech on the House floor whenever she was imploring the House of Representatives to... Start the procedure for articles of impeachment for Donald J. Trump. She used clarity six times. The word honor seven times. Seven times she used the word honor. She invoked the men and women of uniform. And she also used the word constitution four times. And the votes were party line. All but three. All the Republicans voted against. All the Democrats voted for. One independent who used to be a Republican but is now an independent, whatever, he voted with the Democrats to start this impeachment process. These are not articles of impeachment, by the way. This is the impeachment process. And there were two Democrats that voted with the Republicans and voted not to start this process. 
And those two Republicans were, or I'm sorry, those two Democrats were from Wisconsin. And that particular district was won overwhelmingly by the president in the 2016 election. So he's not stupid. If he goes against the president on this, he's probably going to lose re-election, and he don't want to do that. And then the one from New Jersey, also that district was won by the president in 2016. Again, that Democrat does not want to lose his seat. So they're not stupid. But what does this mean, folks? What does it mean that they voted to start the process of impeachment? Well, basically, up until now, we've had some arguments about these closed-door politics and closed-door sessions and closed-door briefings to the uh, particular committees that are, and there's several of them that they've been talking about in the uh, House of Representatives. Keep in mind that the House of Representatives is controlled by the Democrats and the Senate is controlled by the Republicans. So all this is a waste of time. And as a libertarian, I feel like unless there's something pretty damn obvious, you're wasting my money. You're wasting my money because you're going if it, to, if it's not, if it's not black and white, if you're not bringing it out black and white, it's going to go to the Senate and it's going to fail because the Republicans hold a majority in the Senate. Not only that, but you have to have a two-thirds majority in the Senate to convict a president of impeachment. And even if you do get the impeachment, let me remind you once again that this does not mean that Donald Trump will be thrown out of office or that he can't even run the next time and win in 2020. So all this is an exercise in futility unless... They find something that is a smoking gun, if you will. Right now, it's just a difference of opinion, and we're going to get to that in just a minute. But Nancy Pelosi wants you to know that she has clarity. Clarity. Got to have some clarity. Got to have some clarity on her and, uh, you know, the Constitution. So there you go. All right. Next up, we're going to talk about this... Um, the whole thing that we're the whole the whole bitch about this whole thing is about a phone call that he made to the Ukrainian president. Okay? And he said while he was talking to this guy, he said, Hey, would you look into Hunter Biden? We've talked about this before on Kevin's podcast show, but we're gonna go over it again because I think it's necessary because they've now moved into a different phase. And we're gonna talk about that different phase and how how all that works. But anyway, basically, um, President Trump talked to President Zelensky of the Ukraine back in, I think it was July, okay? And there was two guys that um, they brought up before these closed-door sessions, the the Adam shit, I mean the Adam Schiff sessions that have been in his basement. That's what a lot of people's talking about, Adam Schiff's basement. Because uh, if you remember, some of the Republicans tried to get in there and talk about things. But it's it's closed door. It's the way it is. But anyway, there's been two people that have testified. One of them at their really, the Democrats are really bringing out big time, is Lieutenant Colonel Alexander Vindeman. 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 I'm sorry. Let me get it right. Lieutenant Colonel Alexander Vindman, who is a um, national security expert, 
Uh, he's he's a war hero, you know, Purple Heart, Silver Star, served in Iraq, got injured with an IED, you know, has a good background, uh, come over here from, and his family come over here from another country, you know, all that kind of, he's just, he's just a good, good witness for him. And he said, talking about the uh, President Zelensky phone call from President Trump, this is what he said. He said, I did not think it was proper to demand that a foreign government investigate a U.S. citizen, talking about Hunter Biden, and I was worried that uh, uh, that they were going to use the uh, the implication was that they were going to use they were going to use government the U.S. government support for the Ukraine. They were going to use that as a as a hold it over their head. That's that's what he said. That's what he was talking about. Now, the problem with that is, is that there's also another witness that's been before the same committees in the House of Representatives, Tim Morrison. Tim Morrison is a senior White House official, the Director of European Affairs. So this guy knows what's going on when it comes to the Ukraine. And he said that he listened to the conversation. And his exact quote was, I want to be clear, I was not concerned that there was anything illegal that was discussed. Okay, so basically what you've got is two White House officials, two people from the government, and they have a differing opinion about this conversation that went on between President Trump and President Zelensky. So that's the problem. You've got two differing opinions and that's all it is. It's opinions. But now, we do have this transcript for um, for this conversation. It's not an exact quote. There's about, I think they said there was as many as 20 people were listening to this conversation. So it wasn't like it was a secret conversation. But they do not record these conversations, and they do not have direct transcripts of these conversations. And make that very clear. So the transcript that was released is one from recollection from these supposed 20 people or so that's in there. So let's let's uh, let's read over that transcript. It takes about three or four minutes in the next segment. We'll do that and we'll just see. We'll just see what you think about it. Okay, and then we're going to get into a little more detail about what's going on with the impeachment process, why this is a problem. Okay. All right. See you on the next round. Okay. So let's do a little background first. First off, let's talk about... The vice presidential sniff. That's right. Mr. Joe Biden and his son, Hunter Biden. Now, I want you to know that Hunter Biden got hired by a company in the Ukraine called Burisma. Okay, he's on the Burisma board, or he was. And he, uh, it's this company, Burisma, is a gas company, natural gas. Okay? Well, I just want to say that Hunter Biden knows nothing about natural gas, as far as we can tell. 
He knows, like I said before, about as much about natural gas as I know about natural gas. And I know a lot about farting, so there you go. Well, anyway, Hunter Biden, let's let's talk about him just a bit. He's an American lawyer and a law's lobbyist. Okay, let's see if he's got any background whatsoever in natural gas. We'll just go over his Wikipedia page, and we know that that's uh, probably not super accurate anyway. Uh, he was in the United States Navy. He was an ensign, so I guess that's something. Um, early life. No, went to some Catholic high school, went to Georgetown University, volunteered for the church, uh, went to Yale Law School. Let's see what he did after that. Let's see, he was at, uh, took a job as uh, a bank holding company where he became vice president and focusing on e-commerce. Let's see, he's part of a hedge fund. Later career, let's see, he was on the Amtrak Board of Directors, so he has a history of doing things that he doesn't really have any idea about. Uh, Also an attorney with the Boys Schiller Flexner Law Firm. Uh, Was in the U.S. Navy Reserve. Hmm... They formed a company with some Chinese people. I don't know. I don't see anything here about natural gas until it was put on the board of the Burisma Holding Company. In the aftermath of the 2014 Ukrainian Revolution, um... Mykola Zolovinsky faced a money laundering investigation and his company, Burisma Holdings, the largest natural gas producer in Ukraine, assembled a, quote, high-profile internal board in response. So there you go. Chris Hine, John Kerry's stepson, there's a throwback, opposed his partners, Devon Archer and Hunter Biden, joining the board in 2014 due to a reputational risk. Among those who joined the board of directors in 2014 were Biden, Archer, and former Polish President Alexander Kozwinowski. Okay. He served on the board of of Burisma. This is talking about Hunter Biden. This is Joe... The vice presidential sniffs Biden's son served on the board of Burisma until his term expired in April 2019, receiving a compensation of $50,000 per month. $50,000 per month. That's a lot of damn money. $600,000 a year. Because Vice President Biden played a major role in the U.S. policy towards Ukraine. Some Ukrainian anti-corruption advocates and Obama administration officials expressed concern that Hunter Biden's having joined the board could create the appearance of a conflict of interest and undermine Vice President Biden's anti-corruption work in the Ukraine. While serving as Vice President, 
Joe Biden, the presidential <sighs> sniff, joined other Western leaders in encouraging the government of Ukraine to fire the country's top prosecutor, Viktor Shokin, who was widely criticized for blocking corruption investigations. The Ukrainian parliament voted to remove Shokin in March of 2016. Now, here's where the problem is. That Shokin guy that everybody said was not doing a good job was investigating the Burisma Board for Corruption. And Joe Biden said this. And I was going, supposed to announce that there was another billion-dollar loan guarantee. And I had gotten a commitment from Poroshenko and from uh, Yatsenyuk that they would take action against the state prosecutor, and they didn't. So they said they had. They were walking out to press conference. Said, "No, nah, I said I'm not going to. We're not going to give you the billion dollars." They said, "You have no authority. You're not the president." The president said, "I said call him." <laughs> I said, "I'm telling you, you're not getting the billion dollars." I said, "You're not getting the billion. I'm going to be leaving here." And I think it was what six hours. I looked. I said, "I'm leaving in six hours. If the prosecutor's not fired, you're not getting the money." Oh, son of a bitch! <laughs> Got fired, and they put in place someone who was solid. So, now let me make this very clear what's going on. Poroshenko, that's who he was talking about there. You heard him in his own words in the uh, vice presidential (sighs) sniff's own words. He said that they took the billion dollars in aid off the table if you don't fire this prosecutor. Poroshenko. Poroshenko was the president of the Ukraine from 2014 to 2019. This was while he was vice president. This was a threat. He said, you you heard him. He bragged about it. He said, hey, if you don't believe me, call the president. He's got my back. Obama's got my back. Just call him. Call him and ask him. So, son of a bitch. They fired the prosecutor. And guess what that prosecutor was doing? That's right. He was investigating Burisma. And that's the gas company that his son, Hunter Biden, was working for, making $50,000 a month, by the way. So, there you go. Now, that is a direct, in my opinion, and I'm humble, and I may not be the smartest person on the face of this planet, but that is a direct quid pro quo. Now, what they said about Trump was in this transcript right here. We're going to read it, and you make your own decisions. Coming up after this. I've teased it twice. We're going to do it. I promise we're going to do it this time. Coming up in the next segment. Things were really cooking at the safety belt stakeout. When we pinch them. Ouch! Betty gives us a ticket. That's right, and don't call me Betty. But we never wear safety belts. See, we're dummies. Then here's something even you can understand. For a good time, call... No, this. A ticket? Police are now ticketing low-life scum who don't wear safety belts, so buckle up. Surely you can give us a break. No, and don't call me Shirley. A message from the Department of Transportation and the Ad Council. All right, folks, this is the... Memorandum of the Telephone Conversation from um, July the 25th, 2019, from 9.03 to 9.33. Now, this is not going to take 30 minutes to go through, but you have to understand 
that every time somebody spoke, that there had to be a translator to translate it, then they tried to turn around and, and translate it to somebody else. So it was like President Trump would say something, and the translator would translate it for them into Ukrainian or Ukrainese or whatever the hell they speak over there, and then they would turn around and listen, and then he would respond, and then vice versa. So it the conversation didn't take 30 minutes, but it was a 30-minute phone call. So if it seems a little shorter than the 30 minutes that it says that it was on there, then that's why. Okay, so this took place at 9.03 to 9.33, July the 25th, 2019. The president said, congratulations on a victory. We all watched from the United States, and you did a terrific job. The way you came from behind, somebody who wasn't given much of a chance, and you ended up winning easily, it's a fantastic achievement. Congratulations. President Zelensky, you're absolutely right, Mr. President. We did win big, and we worked hard for this. We worked a lot, but I would like to confess to you that I had an opportunity to learn from you. We used uh, quite a few of your skills and knowledge and were able to use it as an example for our elections. And yes, it is true that these were unique elections. We were in a unique situation. And we were able to achieve a unique success. I'm able to tell you the following. The first time you called me to congratulate me when I won my presidential election and the second time you are now calling me when my party won the parliamentary election, I think I should run more often so you will call me more often. We can talk over the phone more often. Ha ha ha. That's a very good idea. I think your country is very happy about that, said President Trump. President Zelensky, yes, to tell the truth, we are trying to work hard because we wanted to drain the swamp here in our country. We brought in many new people, not the old politicians, not the typical politicians, because we want to have a new format and a new type of government. You are a great teacher for us in that, President Trump. Well, it's very nice of you to say that. I will say that we do a lot for, uh, for Ukraine. We spend a lot of effort and a lot of time much more than the European countries are doing, and they should be helping you more than they are. Germany does almost nothing for you. All they do is talk about. I think it's something that you should really ask them about. When I was speaking to Angela Merkel, she talks Ukraine, but she doesn't do anything. A lot of the European countries are the same way, so I think it's something you want to look at, but the United States has been a very, very good friend to the Ukraine. I wouldn't say that it's a reciprocal necessarily because things are happening that are not good, but the United States has been very, very good to the Ukraine. President Zelensky, yes, you're absolutely right. Not only 100%, but actually 1,000%. I can tell you the following. I did talk to Angela Merkel, and I did meet with her. I also met with and talked with Macron. That's the guy from... Um, France, by the way. I told them that they are not doing quite as much as they need to be doing with the issues uh, with the sanctions. They are not enforcing the sanctions. They are not working as much as they should for Ukraine. It turns out that even though logically the European Union should be our biggest partner, but technically the United States is a much bigger partner than the Euro European Union. And I'm very grateful to you for that because the United States is doing quite a lot for the Ukraine, much more than the European Union, especially when we're talking about sanctions against the Russian Federation. See, the Russians, Ukrainians, former Soviet countries, they don't get along well. 
I would also like to thank you for your great support in the area of defense. We're ready to continue to cooperate for the next step. Specifically, we're almost ready to buy more javelins from the United States for defense purposes. Javelins is a um, type of missile, I believe. President Trump, I would like for you to do us a favor, though, because our country's been through a lot and Ukraine knows a lot about it. I would like for you to find out what happened with this whole situation with Ukraine. They say cloud strike. I guess you have one of the your wealthy people, the server, they say Ukraine has it, that there's a lot of things that went on, the whole situation. I think you're surrounding yourself with some of the same people. I would like to have the attorney general call you or your people. And I'd like you to get to the bottom of it. As you saw yesterday, the whole nonsense ended with a very poor performance by a man named Robert Mueller. An incompetent performance. But, they say a lot of it started with Ukraine. Whatever you can do, it's very important that you do it, if that's possible. President Zelensky. Yes, it's very important for me and everything that you just mentioned earlier for me as a president. It is very important that we're open for any future cooperation. We're ready to open a new page on cooperation and relations between the United States and Ukraine. For that purpose, I just recalled our ambassador from the United States, and he will be replaced by a very competent and very experienced ambassador who will work hard on making sure that our two nations are getting closer. I would also like and hope to see him having your trust and your confidence and your personal relations with him so we can cooperate even more. I will personally tell you that one of my assistants spoke with Mr. Giuliani, that's uh, Rudy Giuliani, that's President Trump's personal attorney. We'll be able to travel to Ukraine. We will meet once again um, He once he comes to Ukraine. I just wanted to assure you that once again that there's nobody but friends around us. I will make sure that I surround myself with the best and most experienced people. I will also want to tell you that we're friends. We're great friends. And you, Mr. President, have friends in our country so we can continue our strategic partnership. I also plan to surround myself with great people. And in addition to that investigation, I guarantee as the president of the Ukraine that all the investigations will be done openly and candidly. That I can assure you. President Trump, good, because I heard you had a prosecutor who was very good and he was shut down. That's really unfair. A lot of people are talking about that, the way they shut your very good prosecutor down. And you had some very bad people involved. Mr. Giuliani is a highly respected man. He was the mayor of New York City, a great mayor, and I would like him to call you. I will ask him to call you along with the attorney general. Rudy very much knows what's happening and he is a very capable guy. If you could speak with him, that'd be great. The former ambassador from the United States, the woman, was bad news, and the people she was dealing with in Ukraine were bad news. So I just want to let you know that. The other thing, there's a lot of talk about Biden's son, that Biden stopped the prosecution, and a lot of people want to find out about that. So whatever you can do with the attorney general will be great. Biden went around bragging that he stopped the prosecution. So if you could look into it, it sounds horrible to me. President Zelensky, I wanted to tell you about the prosecutor. First of all, I understand and I'm knowledgeable about the situation. Since we have won the absolute majority in our parliament, the next prosecutor general will be 100% my person, my candidate, who will be approved by my parliament and will start as a new prosecutor in September. He or she will look into the situation specifically to the company that you mentioned in this issue. 
They're talking about uh, Burisma there. This issue of the investigation of the case is actually the issue of making sure to restore the honesty. So we will take care of that and we'll work on the investigation of the case. On top of that, I would kindly ask you if you would have any additional information that you could provide us. It would be very helpful for the investigation to make sure that we administer justice in our country with regard to Ambassador of the United States from Ukraine. As far as I recall, her name was Ivanovich. It was great that you were the first one who told me that she was a bad ambassador. I agree with you 100%. Her attitude towards me was far from the best as she admired the previous president and she was on his side. She would not accept me as the new president well enough. Donald Trump. Well, she's going to go through some things. I will have attorney I will have Mr. Giuliani give you a call. I'm also going to have the Attorney General Barr call, and we will get to the bottom of it. I'm sure you will figure it out. I heard the prosecutor was treated very badly, and he was a very fair prosecutor. Good luck with everything. Your economy is going to get better and better, I predict. You have a lot of assets. It's a great country. You have many Ukrainian friends. They're incredible people. President Zelensky, I would like to tell you that I also have quite a few Ukrainian friends that live in the United States. Actually, last time I traveled to the United States, I stayed in New York near Central Park, and I stayed at the Trump Tower. I will talk to them, and I hope to see them in the future. I also wanted to thank you for the invitation to visit the United States, specifically Washington, D.C. On the other hand, I also want to ensure you that we will be very serious about the case and will work on the investigation. As to the economy, there is much potential for our two countries, and one of the issues is the great importance for Ukraine is energy independence. I believe we can be very successful in cooperating on energy independence with the United States. We are already working on cooperation. We're buying American oil, but I am very hopeful for the future meeting. We will have more time, more opportunities to discuss these opportunities and get to know each other better. I would like to thank you very much for your support. President Trump, good. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate that. I will tell Rudy and Attorney General Barr to call. Thank you. Whenever you like to come to the White House, feel free to call. Give us a date and we'll work that out. I look forward to seeing you. President Zelensky, thank you very much. I would very much, uh, I would be very happy to come and would uh, like to meet with you personally and get to know you better. I am looking forward to our meeting. I also would like to invite you to visit Ukraine and come to the city of Kiev which is a beautiful city. Uh, We have a beautiful country which would welcome you. On the other hand, I believe that on September 1st, we will be in Poland and we can meet in Poland hopefully after that. It might be a good idea for you to travel to Ukraine. We can either take a plane, my plane, or go to the Ukraine, or we can take your plane, which is probably much better than mine. President Trump. Okay, we can work that out. I look forward to seeing you in Washington, maybe in Poland, because I think we're going to be there at that time. Zelensky, thank you very much, Mr. President. Trump, congratulations on a fantastic job. Uh, the whole world is watching. I'm not sure. Uh, I'm I'm not sure it was so much of an upset, but congratulations, President Zelensky. Thank you, Mr. President. Bye bye. That's the end of the conversation. Now you've heard it. I want you to digest it for a minute. We're going to take a little break. That was kind of long winded, but I wanted to get it out there. I hope I did a good job reading it. I hope you understand. Now, I want you to think about that. That's what they're hanging their hat on whenever it comes to impeachment. 
They didn't have anything with the Mueller report and the whole Russian fiasco. That went down the tube, so they're hanging their hat on this. Now, you think about that for a few minutes, and we'll come back right after this. Okay, so, in summary, this is what we have. While President Obama was in office, the president of the Ukraine was Poroshenko. And Hunter Biden who had no experience whatsoever with natural gas, except for farting, got a job with a company over there called Burisma. Burisma Gas in the Ukraine. Burisma Gas went under investigation in the Ukraine by a prosecutor over there. And while he was vice president, the vice presidential presidential sniff... Joe Biden threatened the aid to Poroshenko. He said it. You heard it. I played it for you. He said, we'll not give you that billion dollars in aid if you don't fire the prosecutor that is investigating Burisma by proxy investigating my son and son of a bitch. They fired him. Okay. So, now that was in 2015. Now, fast forward to 2019. That's four years later. Why Trump's bringing it up now four years later, I don't know. But he did. You heard me. You heard the transcript. I read it as much as it could be called a transcript. The president talks with the new president of the Ukraine, Zelensky. And he's... I didn't hear him. I didn't hear a direct quid pro quo. Just like, uh, you know... When Biden was talking to Poroshenko, by his own admittance, he said, if you don't do this, then we will not give you money. But there was nothing like that, as far as I could tell, with Trump and Zelensky. I mean, there was a lot of this, uh, you know, hey, you're a good guy. Hey, you're a good guy. Hey, we're going to buy some oil. Hey, that's great. We're going to buy some missiles. Oh, that's fantastic for some defense. And hey, if you don't care to look into this, that'd be really great, because I heard the other prosecutor was shitty. And so that was basically, that's what I gleaned from that conversation. Then, uh, I don't know if this guy was actually the whistleblower or not, but this uh, Lieutenant Colonel Alexander Vindman, Vindman, Alexander Vindman, Lieutenant Colonel Alexander Vindman testified before some of the um, House uh, Judiciary Committees and other committees uh that title that whatever there's several committees that has to do with the impeachment of the president i don't know how they all work exactly but there's several committees but anyway this uh, lieutenant colonel alexander vindman vindman said that uh, he did not think it was appropriate oh i'm sorry that's not the word he used he said i did i did not think it was proper that a foreign government Let me rephrase that. Let me say it the right way. I did not think it was proper to demand that a foreign government investigate a U.S. citizen, and I was worried about the implications for U.S. government support of Ukraine. Now, that's what he said. He never said anything about it being criminal, although I don't think that he would be able to say that it was anything about being criminal. But anyway, also uh, the same committees heard testimony from a guy named tim morrison senior white house official director of european affairs who obviously knows a lot about the ukraine 
he listened to the conversation. He was privy to this conversation. I guess both of these, uh, Vindman and uh, Morrison, were both privy to this conversation. But uh, anyway, he said, his, his answer was that, I want to be clear, I was not concerned that there was anything illegal discussed. I was. I want to be clear. I was not concerned that anything illegal was discussed. So it comes down to a matter of opinion. So when you've got a matter of opinion, unless you have a smoking gun, unless you can say that the United States actually withheld or gave preferential treatment or whatever the quid pro quo could have been, and that, by the way, is Latin for uh, you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours basically but anyway uh, that's not there but anyway that testimony came out then the house uh, voted to open an investigation into the uh the whole conversation i guess they've started a formal investigation this is not uh, these are not articles of impeachment this is just a formal investigation that they're supposed to be bringing all this up now I know this has been a long, long going over about this impeachment process, but I felt it was necessary for you all to understand. I wanted to break it down as as simply as I could break it down and try to get it across to people because I don't think you understand the ramifications of impeaching a president. And I realize that you can't get him out of office necessarily by impeaching him. You can't uh, stop him from running for president again. Okay, but the idea that we would impeach somebody is, um, well, it's horrible, and I, I I wouldn't recommend it for anybody. I didn't I didn't think that what Clinton did was impeachable, and I was glad they found him not guilty. By the way, but it wouldn't have mattered if they had found him guilty; he would have still been president. So. You know, you get and to throw somebody out of office to get somebody out of the presidency requires more than just impeachment. I'm just telling you. So if you're a Democrat, you're listening to my show and you're hanging your hat on that. Well, probably should hang your hat somewhere else. Okay, that's all I've got to say about that. That's all I got to say about the uh, impeachment process so far. There'll be more, I'm sure. It'll just keep going and going and going like the Energizer Bunny. But anyway, we're going to move on to the next segment. We've got a new segment coming up later in the broadcast, and I think you're going to like it. And next up, it's the Unknown Redneck. Stay tuned for that. New song Chances by Shotgun Shane. It's off his album Salvage. Salvage is the album and it is available for pre-order right now on Google Play for your Android phone 
or device, iTunes for your iPhone or iDevice, iPad, iPad Mini, whatever kind of thing you want to download. It's available. It's available everywhere. He has a video for this song dropping Monday, October the 28th on YouTube. I'll put a link in the description. All you got to do is Google Shotgun Shane. Chances. He's also doing a live show, his only live show in 2019. He's going to be at the Outback ATV Park in Larnburg, North Carolina on December the 26th through the 29th. It's going to be their end of the year, New Year's celebration. You can find all that on Facebook. But I'll put links in the description because I know some people, kind of lazy like me, don't want to look it up. New album is Salvage. The song is Chances. The album is available for pre-order, and the song, the video, will drop on October the 28th, Monday, as you're hearing this. Check it out, man. Country Rap's doing its thing, and Shotgun Chain's doing it too. Friends, Unknown Redneck here on Kevin's Podcast Show. Honey, it was Halloween last night. Me and Cheryl got out there and handed out candy to all them ghosties and witches and goblins and all kinds of spooks and things like that. There's even a couple of armed men and when them hulks was coming around there. Anyhow, we handed out candy all over the place and then we got some in there and watched some scary movies and we ate some popcorn and honey, after I ate all that popcorn and watched scary movies and ate all that candy, well, I had a bellyache and I just went on to bed. Lord have mercy. And I woke up this morning and I thought they'd done been snow out. Outside. I looked out the window, and it was white everywhere. Everywhere I could see, it was white all over the place. And I reckon it wasn't snow. Kurt Angle's buddies down there at the video game store done rolled our yard, honey. They done put toilet paper all over the place. Well, anyhow, there's toilet paper up in the trees, and there's toilet paper on my car, and Cheryl's car, and anyhow, I made old Kurt Angle go out there and pick all of it up, honey. And I looked out there, and honey, he was about to throw it in the garbage can. I said, don't you dare throw it in the garbage can. He said, why not, Diddy? What am I supposed to do with it? I said, I'll tell you what you do with it. I went out there in the garage, and I got me a big old stir stick that I used for some paint that I'd been stirring up, and I said, you roll that right around that stuff right there. And he rolled that around there, honey, and when he got done with it, it looked like he had a big old hunk of cotton candy. I'll tell you, it's a big old piece of thing. Anyhow, I made him take it into his bathroom, and I said, you're gonna use that there toilet paper that your buddy's down there at the video game store done put all over my yard. You're gonna use that, because you use too much dang toilet paper anyhow. Well, at least I won't have to buy him none until probably after the first of the year, maybe save a little bit of money. Well, anyhow, it's a little update from the Unknown Redneck, and You know where I am. One, two, one, two. Seatbelt in, seatbelt out. You know, Larry, this simple exercise will help us stay healthy, which keeps medical costs down. But you got to do it every day, Vince, because if you don't... You can get out of shape fast. You could learn a lot from a dump. Buckle your safety belt. A message from the Department of Transportation and the Ad Council. It's time for Sport Cat Sport Cat News. 
we're going to cover some high weirdness in the sporting news. This is definitely weird. Booze and boobs and no home wins. Game 5, it started with booze and a lock him up chant as President Trump was there to throw out the first pitch. Then at the bottom of the seventh inning, two Instagram models flashed their breasticles on national TV, causing the pitcher Garrett Cole to step off the mound. Check himself, call for timeout, until security could take them away. I guess you could say their game was over in a flash. The two Instagram models were subdued after security guard ended up calling for backup. I don't know if they were being manhandled or what. And Laura Summers and Kyla, Kayla, Kyla, Kayla, whatever, were taken to a holding cell inside the stadium until they could decide what to do with them after two hours. Two hours? It took them two hours what to do with two Instagram models? Oh yeah! Just saying. They were given a letter by the MLB banning them for life for all MLB sporting events. These two women and a Julia Rose founded, run, and owned a digital magazine called Shag Mag. Shag Mag. That sounds like an 80s band. They have done these previous stunts at sporting events. They've even claimed to have done this in front of the White House. I'm about to snatch you pussies up like I'm Donald Trump. I stay rolling with them crackers like I'm Donald Trump. Surrounded by them bitches like I'm Donald Trump. And I'm always winning like I'm Donald Trump. Okay, so there should be no spoilers out there, but if anybody does not know who won the World Series, tune out now. The Washington Nationals have claimed the 2019 World Series. Can I get an amen? This follows the Washington Capitals who claimed the Stanley Cup championship in 2018. Now the Wizards and the Redskins need to step up their game. Both basketball and football in the D.C. sports area are lacking. During the weirdness of this series, the Nationals are the only team to have won all home games and take the title in any sport. All road games were won. That's the only sports team to have ever completed that task. They also are the only team to have won a game since 2006 where a manager has been thrown out of a game. They must have stayed at a Holiday Inn. <laughs> Huh. Following the World Series win, President Trump tweeted congratulations to the Nationals. Ironically, so did all three Instagram models. Oh, yeah. Apparently, they really are Nationals fans. And as if pitcher Garrett Cole hadn't had a weird enough week, he became unemployed immediately at the close of the game. Get a job, hippie! He was seen tossing his hat at the end of the game and putting on a hat for his agent. Yeah, that was his agent. Then he was trolled on Twitter by Julia Rose. She claims that she reached out to him. And in the media, she stated that she made a real connection. She actually stated that she made eye connection and that they saw each other before he stepped off the mound. She hopes that his wife understands and that they can all be friends. Now, that's weird. She's now actually blocked by both MLB and Cole. I wonder if Trump blocked her. 
Hmm. But the weirdest thing of all, I cannot figure out. In this day and age of TMZ and instant news, no one that I can find in published media reports asked Cole about the Hooters. Everyone wanted to know about the Hooters, and nobody asked Cole. Come on, man. It's not always about the Hooters, Kevin. Let's keep that straight. The campfire's out. Let's hit the road. Uh, Dad, the fire's not out. It's still smoking. No, uh, close enough. Come on, Dad, do your homework. If it's too hot to touch, then it's too hot to leave. I knew that. You're never too young to get your smoky on. If you see someone in danger of starting a wildfire, step in and make a difference. Brought to you by Smokey Bear, the U.S. Forest Service, your state forester, and the Ad Council. Learn more at SmokeyBear.com. Only you can prevent wildfires. That's right, the Netflix show Stranger Things has a connection to East Tennessee, according to an article at KnoxNews.com. String up your Christmas lights, grab your egos, and put on your tinfoil caps, folks. This Stranger Things theory is going to send you into the upside down. And while the setting is in the fictional town of Hawkins, Indiana, and was filmed in Jackson, Georgia, further investigations suggest that Netflix hit Stranger Things is inspired by another region. It's actually based off of East Tennessee locations. Back when the Netflix show debuted in 2016, Reddit user connected the dots that Hawkins is strangely familiar to their home in East Tennessee. Although the theory is based off the first season of Stranger Things, a deeper look only makes it more convincing. The show comes right out of the gate 12 minutes into the first episode with an eerily familiar sight, a Roan County Schools bus. There are only two counties in the country that have the name. One is in West Virginia, and of course the other is right here in East Tennessee. Viewers get two more hints in Chapter 2 of the first season. Six minutes in it, Chief Hopper, who's played by David Harbour, reports back after an unsuccessful search party for Will Byers, stating, We've been searching all night. We went all the way to Cartersville. Cartersville is a community located within the Mount Carmel area of Hawkins County, Tennessee. 25 minutes later, the episode cuts to Harper interviewing a witness while investigating an apparent suicide. He asks if the witness notices any odd behavior recently, and the man responds in something many Tennesseans have probably heard before. No, we were fixing to go fishing down to Etowah next Sunday. Sound familiar? Etowah is a Tennessee town just 55 miles south of County. This holds value since Etowah, Tennessee has gone fishing. If the show was implying about the Etowah River, it still points strongly toward a connection to Roan County, Tennessee. Remember the fishman mentioned earlier, Earl is played by David Dwyer, an actor who just happens to be from Maryville. To take it a step further, Dwyer also had a small role in the 1999 film October Sky, which was filmed in East Tennessee, specifically in locations like Knoxville, Oak Ridge, and Roan County. Hence, at the Stranger Things connection to East Tennessee continue into Season 2 during a pivotal moment in the season's plot. In Chapter 3, Bobby Newby, who's played by Sean Astin of Goonies fame and Rudy, he recounts a story about coming face-to-face with his fears, in this case, a balloon-wielding clown named Mr. Baldo, while at the Roan County Fair as a child. Hmm. 
plot of the first season surrounds experimental labs coming uh, from the Hawkins National Laboratory, a secret government lab responsible for monster-ridden clash between our universe and another, the darker parallel dimension referred to as the Upside Down. While we may not have monsters running around, and no word yet on the portals to the Upside Down, as we previously reported on Kevin's podcast show at the Oak Ridge National Laboratory, they are attempting to reach into another realm. So there you go. That's the connection between East Tennessee and Stranger Things. And that's a little bit of Weird Tennessee. Ladies and gentlemen, have you ever wondered what it's like to be a paramedic or an emergency medical technician or what they bitch about on a daily basis? Well, I've got just the show for you. It's the Shift Ender Podcast with my buddy Drew McSalty and his cohort, Marco Narco. They are some salty medics and EMTs. I'm just going to tell you right now, if you want to know what it's like, check them out. Shift Ender Podcast. That's the song Wild Bill off the new album Salvage by Shotgun Shane. It's available for pre-order right now on iTunes, Google Play for Android phones. It's going to drop on November the 29th. So go ahead and get it, folks. It's going to be a banger. Country rap's where it's at, man. I'm telling you. Get on board now. It's like a train. You get on board, you get out of the way, you get run over. I'm on board. Shout out, Shift Ender Podcast, Drew McSalty, Marco Narco, all things EMS, Derek's Heretics, Derek Cook, Weird, Strange, Phenomenon, and whatnot. Glenn Jackson, who did the Sport Cat News today, the sports update. He's got a new podcast out. I believe you have to search for Glenn Jackson, but it is the Sport Cat Podcast. My name is Kevin Marshall. If you want to get in touch with me, you can go to Anchor, leave me a voicemail. You can send me an email to Kevin's Podcast Show, all one word, all lower caps, Kevin's Podcast Show, gmail at gmail.com. You can get on me on uh, Twitter, at Podcast Kevin. You can look me up on Facebook, Kevin's Podcast Show, or Podcast Kevin, either one. Really digging this song, folks. All right. We got the ending coming up next, right after this. Macabre. Creepy. 
Heretics Podcast. Available everywhere podcasts can be found. Okay, it's another episode. This is episode four, season four. Four for four, baby. I want to thank all the KPS faithful out there and to the dozens and dozens of the KPS faithful. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. Share the show, folks. Share it with everybody you know. Go to iTunes, leave us a rating. That really does help. And I appreciate you. Until next time, it is Deuces and Eclipse. first purchased by your great-grandfather during the First World War. It was bought in a little general store in Knoxville, Tennessee, made by the first company to make wristwatches. Up till then, people just <laughs> carried pocket watches. It was bought by private doughboy Orion Coolidge on the day he set sail for Paris. This was your great-grandfather's war watch, and he wore it every day he was in that war. And done his duty, went home to your great-grandmother, took the watch off, put an old coffee can, and in that can it stayed till your granddad, Dane Coolidge, was called upon by his country to go overseas and fight the Germans once again. It's time they called it World War II. Great-grandfather gave this watch to your granddad for good luck. Unfortunately, Dane's luck wasn't as good as his old man's. Dane was a Marine, and he was killed along with all the other Marines at the Battle of Wake Island. Granddad was facing death. He knew it. None of those boys had any illusions about ever leaving that island alive, so three days before the Japanese took the island, your granddad asked a gunner on an Air Force transport named Wanaki, man he'd never met before in his life, to deliver to his infant son we'd never seen in the flesh gold watch. Three days later, your granddad was dead, but Wanaki kept his word. After the war was over, he paid a visit to your grandmother, delivering to your infant father his dad's gold watch. This watch. This watch was on your daddy's wrist when he was shot down at Hanoi. It was captured in the Vietnamese prison camp. He knew that if the gooks ever saw the watch, it'd be confiscated, taken away. The way your dad looked at it, this watch was your birthright. You'd be damned if any slope's gonna put the greasy yellow hands on his boy's birthright, so he hid it. In one place he knew he could hide something, his ass. Five long years he wore this watch, up his ass. Then he died of dysentery, give me the watch. I hid this uncomfortable hunk of metal up my ass two years. Then, after seven years, I was sent home to my family. Now, little man, I give the watch to you.